I'm Matt Downing, and welcome to Diving Deep EDU. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on Diving Deep EDU. This podcast is based in conversations that are willing to go off on a rabbit trail or two in order to find those aha moments. Those times when someone is able to say something in a way that brings increased clarity. Now, I'm an educator, so much of our conversations will have that as the end goal. How can the things that we are talking about help us to dive deeper into educational practices? Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Dr. Marcy Klein. Marcy has over 20 years experience in early childhood development as an NYU trained pediatrician. Recently, she has co-founded Three Ducks Design with her two children. Marcy, thank you so much for joining me. Like I said in the introduction, you recently co-founded Three Ducks Design. And before that, you actually founded a furniture company as well, Modify Furniture. What about design and architecture interests you so much? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, Yeah, architecture. um, I mean, I didn't know much about architecture originally. And it actually started when my daughter took an architecture class and was coming home with the projects. And I think I was excited about them as she was. Mm. Um, you know, architecture is one discipline in this world that really integrates almost everything in the world because it's about community. Yeah. It's about the environment. It's about the built environment. It's about art and design. But there's also a lot of engineering and product design and industrial design incorporated into architecture. Um, and it's specifically a discipline based on humanity. Um, so I just think it's so deep and so so interesting because there's so many facets of it that all come together in one discipline. Yeah, oftentimes concepts like the ones that you mentioned and those ideas in design and architecture are really reserved for the university, right? Many kids in K-12 school systems aren't getting that. But what can K-12 school systems learn? What do you think that they can learn from architecture and design concepts? Yeah, gosh, (laughs) four hours, so much. I mean, one of the things about architecture that I find is so great for the K-12 environment is, I mean, there are a few, of course, but just the creativity, um, Mm -hmm. open-endedness. Um, It allows kids to really expand their creativity and their imagination. There's no right or wrong. It's not like a hard science where you get a formula wrong and you get the answer wrong. There's no right or wrong with architecture. There's only opinions and feelings. And that's one huge component that I think is missing a lot in K-12. So I think that that is a huge benefit of architecture 
But the other side of architecture that I find is so helpful for K-12 is that it is, as I said, one of the disciplines that really integrates the arts mm-hmm. and STEM, the math and the sciences, into one discipline. So when you're in a classroom with 25 students, they're all different types of learners and they have all different skill sets and they have different challenges. And through a very hands-on creative project like architecture, hands-on building models, um, both types of learners or all types of learners can feel success because there's something that they'll be good at. So the math students will maybe do the calculation and the layout and the graphing and the, you know, the, the engineering design of a structure. Um, and then the artists in the class will really come up with the design, like the, the design elements and how people use that space. And then the people that are really good at research um, might research the community and the cultures and the mm. natural environment, the animals in that community. So really through architecture, all types of students can be engaged and feel success in the project. Yeah, recently I was listening to a TED talk uh, from an architect. He was talking about the need to allow buildings to breathe. It was, it was really interesting. He was talking about buildings and architecture as living and breathing entities. And this is really important, especially in regards to COVID, right? Allowing the buildings to breathe. What has COVID taught you, uh, you know, as you think about that in respect to architecture and design? Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I I think um, what the person who did the TED Talk said was very true. I mean, through architecture and design, I mean, it's about taking what's out there, like, you know, putting everything in, like all the challenges, all of the Mm. wonderful things about your community, all the difficult things about your community and solving that problem in a space that works for everyone and for Mm. the environment. So, I mean, what an amazing design challenge for adults, but also for students. Mm. How do we reimagine living spaces, breathing spaces, the built environment Mm. for something like a catastrophe like COVID, where Mm -hmm. everybody has to do 180 and rethink, I mean, co-working spaces like Mm. Zap and in one month they were gone, you know? There's so much room for for pivoting and rethinking and adapting um, in architecture and in design. Um, so, so designing for that is just, I mean, it's challenging, mm-hmm. but so important. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you've been doing such a good job so far in our conversation of laying the foundation um, for our conversation, laying the foundation of the principles of architecture, the principles of design. But we've also been mentioning Three Ducks Design and the fact that you founded it with your children. It's a wonderful product. I've interacted with it uh, and I've used it with my kids as well. My kids recently talked about the way they would build a bridge. We were talking about it and uh, they brought up an idea and it made a ton of sense. And I was a bit surprised at how much sense it actually made. So I asked them, I said, where did you guys even get that idea? And they said, well, Three Ducks Design, we, we did this studio with, with some kids and it was helpful and, uh, and it was great. It brought off a lot of light bulbs for them. It's a wonderful product. Tell us the story of the company. Yeah, so um, it started about four years ago. Um, my daughter, who was, I believe, a, she was going into her senior year in high school, um, had taken an architecture class at Columbia University in New York City. and 
again, fell in love with how she's, she's really good at math um, and science, but it's not really her passion. Her passion is art. And this was one discipline where she could really put both of those to use. Um, and she also, through her project, was required to do some CAD and some rendering, which she is deathly afraid of anything that reminds her of CAD before. Um, but she wanted to learn it because she wanted to do a great job on her project and she wanted to create this um, environment and she needed, she just needed to overcome that challenge. And what she came home with was like, wow, this is such an amazing educational tool. It's so engaging. And it reminds me of building models with my little brother when we were like three and five years old. And I think that this is such a good exercise for younger children. And if we just added some geometry and some engineering thinking into all the cardboard buildings that we made when we were little, it would really be an educational product. And as the typical mom, like, well, if you found a problem, fix it, you know, solve it. <laughs> and her brother, her brother was younger. He was heading into ninth grade and they, we had a 3D printer um, and they designed um, these connectors that you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, but for the audience, they're really, they're just simple connectors that fit on all cardboard and they are at different angles to allow um, children. And we've done it with, kids as young as three to make incredibly complex three-dimensional structures out of any cardboard. Um, and that was the original product. And I thought this was so cute, like a little business. My kids are starting together. <laughs> and we went to the local farmer's market and lo and behold, like they sold out like every weekend, like there were kids hovering the booth. Parents would literally leave their children with us and walk off and like, go get like, you know, what you get at a farmer's market, <laughs> your latte, your vegetables, and they would come back and they would come get their kids. Um, and we live in a small community. <laughs> they all know why. I was like, I'm a pediatrician. Don't worry. It's okay. I like, I, I have eyes on everyone. Um, so they were safe, but, um, but it was an amazing thing to witness. Um, and what I noticed was a few things, and this is what got me on board with three dots was number one, children that didn't know each other were playing together. Mm. In fact, children that didn't even speak the same language um, cool. were playing together and like they were best friends. Mm. And that was like a goosebump moment because yeah. like, like these are connectors, but they're not connecting cardboard. They're connecting like hmm. people, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, cool. The other thing was that nobody in our booth had an electronic device. There were no phones on, unless the mom was taking a picture of the project. <laughs> Nobody was texting, but they were playing with their children. Mm. They were sitting on these little tiny Ikea tables and chairs, and they were literally playing with their three-year-olds. So it was that, again, feel-good moment. Um, and then the last thing that was really interesting was that teachers who happened to have been at the farmer's markets just shopping for themselves we're asking for hundreds of these connectors for their school. They're like, this would like save so much in duct tape. And mm. I love this product. And we always use cardboard. And can you make us a hundred of these? Can you make us 200? Mm. And we were 3D printing them. Um, so making 200 of them was not really like <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> um, but we wound up going up to about four 3D printers going to <laughs> four hours a day, um, at which point we did a Kickstarter campaign to get an injection mold and really get manufacturing. Um, and then we added cardboard, we do LED lights. And I mean, we've grown from there. My passion is the content. Um, 
you know, creating the design challenges and the lesson plans, like your children did that bridge challenge. Mm. The original lesson wasn't about bridges and like cars going over a bridge. They had to do with like an animal crossing to prevent animal death in the trans Canadian highway. So it's all about creating solutions for real people, real animals, real communities. And that's the kind of content that I create very heavy on sustainable development goals. Yeah. One thing that you didn't mention in your description of the company is that you have a medical background and you're a licensed pediatrician. Now you didn't get fired. You didn't get kicked out of the hospital. What caused you to leave the medical field and embark on this journey? Yeah. Well, so I did have a little interim period where I was trying to build a furniture company. And I think the reason why I was doing that on the side isn't because I specifically have a passion for furniture, but I really love the idea of product design and Mm. engineering design. And I wasn't being fulfilled in my pediatric career on that side. So we had a little factory and I was making furniture. So we already had like, and I had like done a website and other stuff. So I had that on the side. So it was an easier transition to like go into this field. Um, But really what, Three Ducks does for me is it takes everything that I learned about starting a company and entrepreneurship and all of those challenges mm-hmm. and the creativity that goes with it and everything I know from 20 years of working with kids and 21 years of bringing up my own children. Yeah. And I could put those two together. Um, and I had such a, I mean, our furniture company never took off, but the whole entrepreneurship experience mm-hmm. was so incredible for me. And to be able to share that with my own kids was an amazing experience on top of it. Um, But to be able to use all the skills in child development and learning and put them into my company as opposed Mm -hmm. to furniture, which had nothing to do with children, um, it was like a perfect fit. Yeah, that's awesome that you're following your passions. And another thing that stood out to me was you noticed your kids' passions. You noticed that they were passionate about this problem and and you tried to figure out a way to help them solve the problem or sort of let them loose to solve the problem. How do we, right, our listeners are, are listening to us talking, they're educators, they're parents. How do we as educators and parents tap into kids' interests. Watch them play. Mm. Let them give them the freedom to create and pl- pretend and share their ideas. Um, let them be different than what the school wants them to do or what the mm. you know standards needs them to do. But they need that breathing room, project-based yeah. learning or inquiry-based learning, Mm -hmm. call it what you want. I mean, that's what I'm so passionate about, our product, but you don't need our product. I mean, literally my children learned the skills that they needed when they played with cardboard. Um, We made dollhouses with pulleys and elevators. That was their passion. Mm. I mean, other children's passions may be completely different, but giving them the room to explore their own passion and then fostering that and not pigeonholing them into one specific area. I mean, like so many kids go into sports and if they're passionate about that's great, but then there are some kids like they change their ideas Mm -hmm. over time, but somehow they've gotten pigeonholed into this one pathway and it's like, Mm -hmm. get out. And I feel like revisiting, opening, opening up the door for them to be able to explore other directions 
repeatedly is really important. And then supporting them in those ideas, even if they're not something that a parent or a teacher might think is going to be, quote, useful for the future. You never know, you know, um, what they're going to do in the future. So, you know, what, you know, some people might not think is a good career choice. You don't like that experience is still important and they'll take those experiences with them in whatever career choice they use. So I think in the end, just being open and watching your kids and supporting them in whatever they want to do, even if it doesn't seem like a quote career choice for them. Yeah. As you were talking, I sort of heard these three things uh, come out. The idea of fostering, you know, children's uh, desires, passions, interests, right. And then also giving breathing space to allow them to do that. And then the support as well. One thing I found, you know, personally, and also watching other people is that it's a battle for educators and parents not to control the situation, not to control the environment. So it goes from build this to now, oh, do it exactly like this to now I'm doing it right for the kids. And now the kids are standing behind the adults, like sort of rolling their eyes. Like, what, what are they doing? Right. <laughs> uh, help us with that. How can we foster without controlling uh, the situation? Yeah, actually, it's interesting. Um, it, like when I was in medical school, and this is always really hard to do in real life, but they, they would focus on open-ended questions. Mm. Don't ask a closed question like, what color shirt do you want to wear today? Because maybe they don't want to wear a shirt. You've just mm. closed them up. Now they have to wear a shirt. Leave it open. Like, you know, look at your closet and come up with something. You know, so just really keeping everything is open and taking cues from your child and then asking more questions instead of saying, oh, well, if you like, you know, to swing a bat, then baseball is the thing for you. Mm. You know, say, oh, you like to swing a bat. Like, what might you do with a bat? <laughs> you know, maybe they want to paint the bat and maybe this. You don't know. Like, it, you know, like as adults, we're not creative anymore. So we can't think outside the box as easily mm. as a child can. Um, and I've had that experience. I can't show you our po- product, of course, on, on, you know, on a, on a podcast, but we have a particular shape, which is a square with a like opening in the inside. And um, a mother told her child that she was using the, the piece the wrong way. And I'm like, well, actually, she may not be like, you don't know what she's making. Mm. <laughs> said, like, you know, the first person who put a skylight in the ceiling their mom was like, why did you put a, a window on the roof? What the heck? You know? And like, if that child listens, like nobody would have skylights. Um, and that's the beauty of like being a child. Like they're not stuck and they're not constrained yet. Um, so if we can just let them, and I think through like projects that don't have instructions, like our kits, I mean, we have kits for school, but we also have retail kits for children at home. And our first line on the instructions are, these are not instructions. Mm. Like there are no instructions here because your child has the rules in their head and we don't want to ruin them. So we talk about that and what architecture and what engineering is more than like give kids like a Lego set with like 45 pages of very concrete instructions where they're following just the rules and they're not creating their own thing. Let's talk about the Lego uh, example versus what Three Ducks Design has. Because, you know, I have a six-year-old. He's obsessed with Legos and he he loves those booklets, right? 
So what's the difference in the thought process versus the Lego book following these directions versus the more open-ended? What can be the benefit of having that more open-ended environment? Yeah, well, I mean, I think both are important. I mean, Mm -hmm. you need to learn rules and you need to be able to follow directions. I mean, if you bake a cake, you have to be like, (laughs) right? There's a reason for rules. So I, I mean, like, it's not to say that that's not a value. Yeah. Um, but the open-ended component, it, and that's where real creativity and innovation and like, you know, people are talking about 21st century skills and the jobs of the future. We don't even know what they're going to be. And artificial intelligence is going to take over everything. Well, artificial intelligence will never be creative. Like it's not designed to be creative. It's designed to do algorithms (laughs) and Mm -hmm. creativity is like the opposite of that. So um, allowing kids with, you know, to, and we usually have some type of constraint. So it's not just like, here's a bunch of cardboard, just do whatever you want. We give kids a leading question. You're designing a children's hospital and we want plants in the hospital and they come up with all the reasons why we would want plants and where would you put them? You know, so we ask children to kind of come like we give them a, a, a little bit of a challenge and then we let them go crazy with their creativity within the confines of that challenge. Hmm. So for example, like our tiny house challenge, there is a constraint. It has to be under 150 square feet and it has to be under 14 foot ceilings, but then do whatever you want from there. Um, So it gives them the math and the geometry and the calculating. So they're learning all those important skills. They actually, Mm -hmm. for a challenge, have to calculate the cost of the materials that they use. So they have to figure out surface area, but that's it. But the design of the space and how people walk through the space and how they use it and how they're going to create multifunctional furniture because there's not enough room for a bed and a table. Um, That's where the creativity comes. Yeah. So what we're creating is not like a complete free-for-all, pure, open-ended. We pose a question, just like they're going to have to do in the real world. So mm-hmm. we have to design, you know, a community center. Like there's going to be constraints, you know, within that community. What does that community center need? They're going to have to be able to do the whole design thinking process, do the ideation, do research, come up with a solution. That's where the creativity um, and the brainstorming come in. And then using the design thinking process, build it, prototype it, mm-hmm. reevaluate it, and then go back around and redesign it based on your evaluation or your feedback from other people. Those are skills that people need every single day in almost every job they could possibly imagine. Um, so those are the skills that we want to train kids to do. Um, and the other side of it is learning what does not work as opposed to being wrong and getting a wrong answer. So let them discover that something doesn't work by trying it as opposed to being told that they failed because they got it wrong. Hmm. Um, It's a big difference between those two. And a lot of it has to do with ego building and, you know, and supporting a child emotionally, um, and giving them pride as opposed to deflating them when they get the math wrong. Yeah, I love how your work is highlighting innovations, highlighting creativity, it's highlighting problem solving. And that example was wonderful, the one with the tiny house. Would you be able to share another example? So that tiny house, you sort of posed the problem and then you gave two constraints in that example. 
What's another example, um, as well as including the constraints in the example? Sure. So that that particular, the tiny house is like, like if you're going to go with like a school environment, the academic component of it is geometry cool. and math. Um, we have a, a, the modern zoo reimagined challenge, which is one of students' favorite projects. Mm. Um, and that is there's five different animals in the zoo and each zoo, each animal enclosure um, has to be redesigned. Um, so what we do is we have like, say, the tiger. The students need to do, it's a Bengal tiger. So they have to start by doing research on the Bengal tiger. What's his natural environment? What does he eat? What kind of health issues? So there's a constraint right now, right there. Like they have to design the um the enclosure for the tiger based on what a tiger needs. Um, so there's one constraint. The other constraint mm. that we built into that is that each enclosure requires that the student make a simple machine. So for the tiger cage, it's an inclined plane to allow the tiger to get up into the tree because that's where tigers like to hang out and feel safe. Um, so we're putting design thinking and creativity and fun because every kid loves to make animals out of mm-hmm. our product. Um, but we're also incorporating, um, you know, nature and life science in there. Um, we're in, including research because they have to research the animal. And then we're including a simple machine. So they're getting engineering design and they're also mm-hmm. doing both trial and error. Um, so each animal, like the elephant, you need to create a pulley because as they learn from the research, the elephants like to eat from trees and so putting food in a pail and bringing it up the tree with a pulley system allows the elephant to feel like he's in his own natural environment when he's really just eating out of a pail. <laughs> uh, so, but that they learn a pulley system. So that would be the constraint. Um, but they're learning, you know, but they're still incorporating all of their creativity and all of their research into the design of the elephant enclosure. I love that example. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I love the product and the focus and, and what you guys are doing and your vision uh, for accomplishing even more. So there might be a teacher listening to this and thinking, yeah, that's that's great. You know, Three Ducks Design is great. We're going to put that in the makerspace. And Three Ducks Design would go great in the makerspace, right? But I think it's so much more. Uh, I think there's so much more there. I think that it can be integrated seamlessly within the classroom, within these high level projects that you're talking about. So Mm -hmm. let's talk to that teacher, that person that's listening, thinking that this is a fit for the makerspace. I want us to think about ways, give us a vision for the ways that this can really increase learning in the classroom within a curriculum. Yeah, so the a lot of our lesson plans, like the zoo and the tiny house, are tied to standards. So mm-hmm. that teachers in the classroom that are teaching a particular subject and need those standards, you know, to be able to use it in the class, um, they can pick from a number of like lesson plans. There's still a lot of room for creativity, but they do have those certain constraints that allow. To us to make sure that every student has to learn that particular standard aligned task, as opposed to some of our challenges that might be in the maker space where it's like designed for a habitat on Mars. And it's mm. a, not necessarily just like specifically tied to standards. Um, but a lot of times it's really like a, a multidisciplinary project So our tiny house challenge, for example, could be tied to a civics lesson, like Mm -hmm. maybe it's not a tiny house in modern day, but maybe it goes with their Greek studies. Um, 
or American Indians and they're designing it for an Indian reservation. So you can tie um, the project to multiple subjects if the teacher is familiar and comfortable with project-based learning. Great. Yeah. Thanks for highlighting the interdisciplinary uh, nature of these projects. And it could be used within many different uh, subject areas, but also, you know, can be used in the maker space as well. As I look at your project, as I think about you talking, you know, I envision classrooms where kids are engaged, they're creating, and then they're creating these worlds that allow them to better understand concepts and topics that the teachers, you know, trying to get them to better understand. I know one example I saw on your website, you sent it to me a little while ago, was you had uh, in one of the classes, they programmed, um, I think it was Ozobots, uh, to go around the architecture that they create with the Three Ducks design. Do you remember that project? Could you tell us about that? Yeah. So we do have an Ozobot in one project, but I think you're possibly referring to the Bebot. I'm not sure which one you're referring yeah, to. The one that the one. that I know a little like the there's a group of third grade students from outside of Seattle, Washington, where the pollinator pathway was actually initiated. Mm-hmm. Um, those students did a pollinate. Uh, we have a busy bee challenge, and they did that challenge, and they created an entire pollinator pathway for their quote city, and then they programmed the bee bot to navigate and. Um, for us, it's like storytelling. I didn't talk about that that much, but at the end of the design thinking process is presenting mm. and the presentation of all of the student projects is very important to us. Um, it's involved in all of our lessons. So what these students did was they, as a part of their presentation, they programmed the BeeBot to reenact how a bee in nature would use, like they had, you know, water, they had food, they had um the local plants for the pollen um, and how it would navigate through the city, um, how they envisioned based on the design that they created. Um, so that's, you know, there's, there's room for number one robotics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our product is very low tech. It plays very nicely with high tech, mm-hmm. like the Bebot Makey Makey. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with that. Um, we've done projects with Makey Makey team and a lot of students out there have, fused projects with Makey Makey and our product. Mm. So, I mean, there's so many great tech products out there. We didn't feel like we needed to reinvent them. Mm. Um, We just would rather collaborate and partner with the companies that are out there for projects because, you know, it's, it just augments the learning for students to be able to pull different, different things off the shelf and put them together um, to create an amazing product. Yeah, I didn't know about the B-Bot. I, was think, I think it was the Ozobot I was thinking of. It was in Bridgeport. They were doing some redesign, city redesign. That B-Bot example is awesome. I love that. I, I really like the B-Bot, and I'm sure the kids uh, really engage with that lesson. And like you said, they're understanding multidisciplinary ideas from robotics to science to engineering and all of those things yeah. in between. Yeah, I, I love that. You said something earlier I want to I want to get to, but before I do, someone's listening, they're excited about this. They want to get a whole bunch of them for their classroom. How do they do that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Come to 3 Ducks Design. <laughs> um, so our website is www.the3dux.com. Um I, I mean, we are literally a family owned business. It's me and my two kids who are both in college and help as much as they can. Um, and then just a little support staff. So any questions 
I love to talk to teachers, find out about their classroom and help them come up with projects and the right product for their class. So, I mean, it's easy enough to order whatever you want on our website, but always like I'm always happy to talk to people and help better understand. It helps us make a better product and it helps the class be more successful when I can help them and make good choices for because we have so many different projects and lesson plans out there. All of the lessons and projects are actually free when teachers buy the product. So we're not really selling curriculum. We're selling our product. And then anything out there that they want to use, they have open access to. Great. And I'll link um, you know, your website. Your website's super easy to find, but I'll link that in the show notes. And I've gotten a copy of this. It's a super great product. Um, it's well put together. It has really creative ideas and you could utilize it in a variety of ways. It's wonderful. And thanks uh, for sharing that. Before we start to close up our conversation, though, I did want to hit on something else. Earlier on, another key part to Three Ducks Design and you know some of your initiatives previously is the entrepreneurship nature of it. So there's someone listening and they may not be into three ducks design as much, but they're into the idea of creating, of doing something different. They might have an idea, you know, not like three ducks design, but something different. Mm-hmm. And they're having trouble getting it off the ground, right? Yeah. What would you say to them? Wait, are, are, is this an adult or a child? Uh, this is this is a child. Yeah, this okay. is like a high school kid. Yeah. So I mean. You know, we put our product out on the like the invention. I don't know if you know about the National Invention Convention, but it mm-hmm. literally was nationwide. Any student, whether they're in a school or even like, you know, homeschool independent students can take part in it. I would highly recommend if they have an idea um, to get involved and I can help them like if they can't find it, but literally just Google National Invention Convention and you'll find it. But they like the resources that go with that program are amazing, <coughs> excuse me. And um, the students have an opportunity to design a prototype. They get the resources they need and the understanding they need to help like on how to do it, the questions they need to ask. It's almost like a, it is a curriculum in and of itself. Mm. Um, and then they can actually be judged and present. And I'm a judge actually tonight on one of the national, one of the invention convention for high school students. Um, and it's a great opportunity to get like people out in the entrepreneurship and product design world to look at their product and give them feedback, ask them questions, mentor them. And then, you know, it's a competition. So, you know, as the kids go up and, you know, are successful, they get more and more feedback from more and more mentors. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend if any kid is interested in entrepreneurship, innovation, and particularly invention, um, that would be a really good opportunity to look into because they just learned so much. My kids did it for a number of years, actually, before Three Ducks. I want to pause this podcast for a moment to let you know about another great podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Mike Dunn, and I'm one of the co-hosts of Rethinking EDU. Our podcast is a roundtable discussion about education possibility. We talk with professionals from around the country who are doing groundbreaking work reimagining and remaking schools. Come check us out at rethinkingedu.co or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's get back to the show. 
Marcy, as we wind things down today, it's been such a blast talking with you. Who do you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, one of my buddies, um, Liz Gallo. Um, I met her. Um, she's actually an educator. She was a science teacher for many years, and now she um, runs professional development, all maker ed, all design thinking. Um, and we got together because she loves our product, and you know she uses it in her professional development. But I can't think of somebody who understands design thinking and early learning better than Liz. So I'd love to say hi to Liz Gallo, <laughs> why maker? Why maker is her company. Time for the final word. What would you like to say to close out this podcast? Oh, I would say let your children's imagination run wild. Marcy, thank you so much for joining me on Diving Deep EDU. I appreciate your time sharing your experiences and helping us dive deep. To those listening, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Diving Deep EDU. If you like this episode, subscribe, share it out, post a review on Apple Podcasts. All of those things will help get this podcast out to more people. Until next time. Wow, it's time to reflect. That's astounding. You've been checking out the podcast from Matthew Downing. Hope you like diving deep like a scuba diver. And the show provoked hope. That's our true desire. <laughs>